0: If you're a more energetically sensitive creative or entrepreneur who's ready to transform your sensitivities into your superpowers so that you can spend more time in the flow and less time in the internal struggle, then you've come to the right place. The Empathic Entrepreneur podcast with me, Anna Stokes, is a business and marketing podcast where we uncover the roadblocks that most energetically sensitive entrepreneurs and creatives face on their journey to success and how to move past these blocks to live a more purpose-driven and energetically aligned life. Okay. Hello, Amanda Perry. Welcome to the Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing so well. Thank you so
1: much for asking me on this podcast. You know, a super fan I share it
0: pretty much every week (laughs) you are so awesome I love that Amanda you were the only one sharing my podcast (laughs) (laughs) no
1: I honestly I love them I get so much from them well we've worked together a lot haven't we and they're they're my kind of um what like they keep me going in between our sessions. <laughs> right,
0: right. I I love that. Thank you so much for being here. So everyone, today on the podcast, we have Amanda Perry. And Amanda is kind of an anomaly and she has her hands at a lot of different things. So I'm going to let Amanda give an introduction before we get the podcast going. So go ahead, Amanda.
1: Okay. So yeah, I'm Amanda. I live in Sheffield in the UK which for anyone who isn't in the UK is in the north it's not as grim as everyone tells you it is i've been in business for 15 years and i started off with a cake business believe it or not which what? i had yeah cupcake business we were turning over like a million pounds in cupcakes. It was, it was, I would have told you this. It was crazy. Yeah,
0: I did not. Um, I, that was one of my questions though. What was your first business? So thank you for psychically you knowing that was my question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, and that, I started off in that business. I've had many, many businesses since. I've, I've sold four of them and recently sold my marketing agency. And now I am working by myself, very proud. I hate the word solopreneur, but I guess that's the the term, isn't it? Um, and just building a business that works for my brain following an ADHD diagnosis in 2020.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I, this is something... Okay, I'm not sure. What, what would you say you do now for your business? You're <laughs> a solopreneur. I know it's kind of been coming to the surface because it wasn't like you sold your marketing agency and you were like I know exactly what I want to do am I correct? No yeah.
1: no I knew I sold the marketing agency knowing exactly what I didn't want to do.
0: Okay that's a good I start. think
1: that's the difference you know <laughs> yeah. that's the difference there isn't and we were actually working together at the time weren't we so so that was a real I I I can't do that anymore for so many reasons uh, mainly linked to my ADHD diagnosis and understanding more about myself and realizing, you know, just what a a prison I built rather than a business around me. Um, So now I, it's taken a while, you know, I'm, I'm quite honest about that. It's taken a while for me to figure out. And still, when I get that question of what do you do? I'm like... Uh, but mainly I work with ADHD founders and entrepreneurs and I help them I guess I help them do what I've done which is just either rework their business into something that works for their brain now that they have this different understanding of how their brain works or creating something new you know some of them is some of their situations are as drastic as mine is so it's a it's a really big plan. Some of them are just kind of tweaks and about introducing systems. And actually a lot of them are just about having a bit of self-compassion and, you know, self-forgiveness and, and a bit of a
0: permission slip to build things their way. That's so, that's so cool. Like what an interesting niche. Yeah. Um, And I think a well needed one, a much needed one Mm. because what could challenge your adhd tendencies more than entrepreneurship right oh, i mean well maybe yeah. i mean there might be something out there but um I mean,
1: it's it's funny though isn't it because the list of adhd traits are the perfect entrepreneur like you know risk takers resilience ideas creativity all of that but the reality of running a business as we know isn't just those things is the admin and the taxes and the detail and the record keeping and all of that stuff that I always say like it's never been easier to build a business has it it's never been easier sorry to start a business you just set up a Shopify store or you know buy a domain name or set up an Instagram but but when you start hitting those hurdles of oh I didn't know I had to pay that or you know you start kind of, paperwork's piling around you and that's when people start getting into problems and it becomes really sticky so it's just kind of mitigating for that so that we can stay in our absolute brilliance the same as anyone i guess it's just more important when you have adhd and
0: so let's let's i want to i want to go into some of the specifics of why your last business didn't work but before we get there i want to talk about your self-discovery as an empath, or even maybe thinking of yourself as an empath, I feel like, so to give everyone a little backstory here, Amanda and I met through a mutual friend who, Amanda came in for a session and then ended up working with me in my held mentorship, which I'm not really doing anymore now that I'm doing the group classes. Um, The mentorship's been on hold, but so we spent months working together on energy management tools and learning to use energy. And so at the point at which you signed up to work with me in that capacity, would you have identified as an empath or was it through that process you were like, "Oh, I'm an empath?"
1: I think it's so funny because and this is so timely talking about this because I'm at this stage at the moment where I'm trying to I've I've spent so long gathering ADHD information. Now I'm trying to look Outside of that to really understand me, and I guess I'm in that phase. I've I've done a lot of work around my strengths. So with Clifton strengths, which I think of as very kind of you know, of this world, <laughs> like it's very black and white, you know. I've also looked at human design, which is very spiritual, and also exploring the work with you. And somewhere in the middle of it is starting to make sense of who I am, but to go back. Part of my whole life was what is it about me? like I know that I'm not the same as them and and one of the things I came across years before ADHD was empath and empath, and I thought that's me, you know I can sense the energy when I walk into a room I'm super sensitive I'm all of these things and then when i when I got diagnosed with ADHD, I kind of saw all of that as oh you know and I I thought I was an empath but it's not it's ADHD and and I guess one of my one of the things that really fascinates me now is where is the 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 kind of intersection between all this stuff or is it just that there's traits that are that are in that are commonalities between all of them you know but I just find that so fascinating it's like the nature nurture thing of Where do my strengths and ADHD traits cross over? Where does the human design come into it? Where does the empath come into it? So I think when I started working with you, I remember you saying, well, of course you're an empath. That's why you're here. I was like, am I? Am I I an empath? Because I thought it was just ADHD. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a bit of a full circle thing. I feel like you... Telling me that I was kind of validated that that part still existed within me. It's not just ADHD traits.
0: Yeah. Ooh, this is ooh, it's a big one because this, this goes for most mental health diagnoses. Because my background before really doing all of my psychic training was mental health and yeah. social work, and I remember sitting in this lecture when I was about to graduate, graduate with my bachelor's before I went on to get my master's degree. And I remember, you know, I was always dabbling in the world of spirit. Like my mom was very, you know, taking me to healers when I was younger. That's how I took my first healing class. Like that sort of, that's where I went to my first thing. And I was like, this is, oh, this is why I'm here. I remember being 14. She took me to a healer. And I joined this women's group and I was learning how to do healings and doing like spirit journeys and all these things. And I was like, oh, this is why I'm here. I always mm-hmm. felt like such a weirdo, such an outcast. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the first like, oh, I'm finding something in this life that I'm on like my, my soul path, you know, my yeah. soul path. I'm connecting with that. But I remember, you know, I really disassociated from that part of me when I started going to college because it's so you know, analytical, you know, you're really turning a lot, even, even social work was analytical. You're compassionate and empathetic. You're learning about what empathy is, but everything is still very to the book. And I remember going Mm -hmm. to this lecture and I think it was a psychologist. I don't even remember what the lecture was about. I just remember him posing to the audience. What is the difference between Someone who is um, schizophrenic, and someone who identifies as being—I don't know if he used the word "clairaudient," but essentially mm. a psychic, because I think the word he mm. used at the time. And I was like, "Oh, I've been waiting for someone to talk about this because I'm scared to like come out of the closet with some of my experiences." Yeah. On the one hand, there's you in spirit, and on the other hand, there's you as a diagnosis. Mm. And I don't really think there's a whole lot of separation between the two i just don't think the world has gotten to the point where they're talking about those i you know i'm going through a lot of huge interpersonal growth periods right now with my psychic training and the work i'm here to do and there are times like there was a growth period i went through that was so gnarly so gnarly about maybe 2 months ago and i called one of my psychic friends and i was like i swear to god i think i'm like bipolar and, and she said, well, yeah, I think that about myself all the time. She's like, it's just energy. I mean, everything's energy. And I was like, Oh my God, thank yeah. God. And then I talked with one of my psychic teachers. who has been doing this for like 30, 40 years. And I said, I feel like I'm bipolar. And he's like, Oh, perfect. You're exactly where you need to be for this five-year transmedium growth period where you're learning to channel beings. He's like, yeah, this is exactly what you should be going through. That's very common. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I was waiting for him to say, "You're out of the program. Go get a mental health assessment or whatever." (laughs) You know, not that you can't be in a psychic program and be bipolar, but showing up to do the psychic work. Mm. I think one of the things you have to look at is: Do you do the meditation and the energy clearing practices and feel better and feel more? And when I say better, maybe your concentration improves. It depends on who, Mm. what that means for you. If you're depressed, does your energy feel more elevated? So I think instead of going deep down the rabbit hole of, is it this or is it that I say, do the energy clearing practices. If it helps keep doing it.
1: Yeah. If the medication
0: helps keep doing it. Like I'm not here to tell anyone they should or shouldn't be doing X, Y, Z. I just know the energy practices have helped me. And I have to say, you know, when you took this last group class, the uh, empathic energy management, (laughs) my monitor, (laughs) I had in there helping me hold space. You know what? You know what he said about you? Oh. like she could be like a model before and after. Did you see how much she changed when she did wow. that? And I used to say that about you too when we did our health sessions. There was like the Amanda before meditation. Yeah. And then there was like the Amanda after, you know? And you can see people's energy change and you're one of those people. I think it's really dramatic. Yeah.
1: I I mean, I feel it. I definitely feel it. I think it's interesting what you say there cuz I always when people say how do you manage it I always say medication and meditation it's like that they are the 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 ways that I manage it and you know walking I find massively helpful but that to me is also a bit of meditation isn't it just having that kind of focus and shift of energy but yeah I've I've I mean the, the work that we've done together has been so helpful I I don't I don't, feel, I don't see it or feel it the way that you do when you message me and you're like, oh, my God, you know, I saw it. and I feel different, but I, but I, I guess I still have that, oh, is this it? Is this, like, how I'm meant to feel? You know, there's yeah. still that kind of question. So it's always really helpful to have you kind of reflect it back and observe that, yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, that was a great class.
0: I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's super fun. Energy works, mm. well, you know? Yeah, really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in a gaggle of us women doing it together. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. Okay, so I had some questions here. And this kind of one of them was how do you see your empathy or being an empath overlapping with your ADHD? But I think you're still figuring that out, you know? And yeah. I think that's something that will be fun for you to continue nice. to discover.
1: Yeah I find it so fascinating I I really do I I find and I feel like there's a really obvious answer that I haven't got to yet maybe you've just said it that you know the, the spirit and the physical or or just that two things can be can be true at the same time but it's still you know when I did human design and a lot of that came back a lot of the things came back and I thought, oh, I just thought that was ADHD, but maybe it's that. And I don't know, it's just, it's 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 strange how aligned everything is, or maybe not strange, you would say. It's, it's of course it is, you know. It's, of course it it's is, your, I would say yeah, that. You're, yeah, you're right.
0: Your but but <laughs> also I have to say, I like what you're doing with your, dis- your discussion around ADHD, and I think it's gaining a lot of popularity. Like a lot of people are interested in what you have to say. Um, yeah. I was going to say, wow, you're really successful on social media. I want to talk about that soon. But what I like that you're doing with ADHD is that you're not making it, you're not victimizing those Mm -hmm. with ADHD. You're saying, look how beautiful it is. Like, look at what I've done and look at how I'm working with it. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really like that. I just want to yeah. say. It's, uh, thank you. It's really important
1: to me. I think it's so easy to fall into either this kind of cartoony, um, and I don't mean that in physical, there's some really big accounts that use cartoons. I don't mean that. I mean that kind of infantilizing kind of language around ADHD, which I see a lot and I hate. And also that victim mentality, as you said and i think when i first started sharing adhd stuff i was actually being quite broad with it and it attracted a lot of the a lot of people who who have this victim mentality and don't want to see the positives or aren't able to see the positives and of course within that is a whole conversation around you know privilege and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but i really try and make sure that my content is focused on the positives but also not just like blindly, oh, you know, we should be so happy. It's like, (laughs) these are how we can make it just brilliant. This is how we can focus on, there's such amazing things about ADHD. I wouldn't be where I was now if I didn't have it, including the failures, you know, the successes and the failures. But yeah, there's, there's definitely a way that I like to discuss it that doesn't fall into into that kind of uh, easy engagement because I think that's one thing I think it's it's very easy for people to grow accounts talking about that kind of thing um and also that infantilizing um kind of narrative is uh, is not really me
0: Fascinating. Oh, so there's like some strategy behind this marketing. I
1: mean, <laughs> Ooh, make, to stra-
0: <laughs> make strategy.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so can you talk with us a little bit about um, the last company that you sold, your, your media company and um, your marketing and uh, why that wasn't working for you? What kind of the signs were and how was it for you to make the decision to sell?
1: Mm. so I started my agency in 2019 maybe end of 2018 it's hard to say because I kind of grew it I started off on my own and then I you know employed someone and then we grew so so by the end of 2019 um, we'd moved into a bigger office and there was four or five of us in there and then obviously we hit 2020 and lockdowns, and we're all out of the office. And by the time we returned to the office, there was 28 of us within the year. Very, and by
0: very fast expansion. Very I think, fast, for that size very, of company, very fast, very, very fast.
1: And that was caused by a few things. One was we worked in e-commerce with Facebook ads. That was our primary service. And during lockdown, as we know, e-commerce just went absolutely through the roof and everyone was shopping online. So our services, like the need for our services grew. So we we grew in line with that rather than... My, the reason my first business didn't work eventually was, again, because we'd grown too fast and I said that I'd learned my lessons and I clearly hadn't because we, you know, I could have said, no, hold on, we need to you know, stop and recalibrate and then we grow again, but we just, we just kind of followed the growth. And then what happened was um we came out of lockdown, e-commerce sales slowed down, uh, Apple updated their iOS. So Facebook ads weren't as effective as they had been. And a lot of our clients were at a size where they a they've become over-reliant on facebook ads and b that the i guess because of that the fact that the ads weren't working anymore because they were bringing in such a huge percentage of their sales it really really you know was not wasn't good um that teamed with I don't know if you guys had it but coming out of lockdown we had this like great resignation so people all of a sudden were like jumping jobs and being paid uh, because everyone was working remotely so someone who worked for us that might maybe was being paid 30 grand a year could get a job with a London agency who were hiring remotely work from home for 50 grand a year so there was all of this so it was it was the imperfect storm, really, that just took my absolute love, passion, obsession for the for the business and the product and service and literally just like squashed it into the ground. You know, it was just, there was no, there was nothing left in it for me. There was no, um, there was just no joy left in it. So I kept going for probably too long and... All the signs were there, and I was—I made some bad mistakes through various reasons, like loyalty to the team, loyalty to the clients, mm-hmm. and ultimately made the decision to sell, which happened happened really quickly. I mean, I think we talked about it one week, didn't we? And then I came back and said, "Done." the next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember we
0: were, I feel like we, we, I was reading it and you were saying, yeah, I'm I'm done. And I was like, you know, it looks like the energy says like you might sell and you're like, "Mm." and then like the next week you're like, I got a buyer," And I'm like, (laughs) I always like it when, I mean, I don't say psychic readings are predictions, but sometimes I just see energy and I'm like, you know, I get what you're saying, but it kind of looks like this could be playing out over here in energy. And then when it happens, it's, it's like okay, yeah, it's a nice prediction.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. It's definitely one thing with me is once I've once I've made my mind up, I have to do it. And and I guess getting that reinforcement from you was like okay, I have I I dragged my heels for for way too long. I know I know that I had I I avoided difficult conversations and difficult decisions. So having that reinforcement from you was like right, that's it.
0: I absolutely <laughs> get that. When I was going through my, I mean, because I was going through what you were going through, because I had a brick and mortar also, and yeah. we all had to come back. Except for when you were booming during the shutdown, I was like, my locations were shut down, and yeah. I couldn't make, yeah. I couldn't really make money. Um, You know, yes, we had some product sales online, but I was competing with, you know, Amazing. the Kardashians on products. Yeah. Like, I'm not yeah. going to win. I don't know, no, no. Um, but yeah, the Great Resignation, everything. So I was coming out of that, and you know, getting a lot of psychic readings and energy healings during that period because you just, sometimes you just need like support from all angles to get you through that 100%. really hard period.
1: Yeah, and I think it's crazy. You've said it a couple of times how similar our business stories are, in, in. So many aspects, really, when I was, sometimes when I was kind of talking to you about what was going on, you were like, oh, okay, yeah, because, I mean, I've been through exactly, exactly that to the, to the left of was there, some of it, so, yeah. yeah, it's interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, well, our saying in the psychic world is, like, the people who show up to work with you have an energy match, and you're looking mm. to clear the match, and I sold my company, but I didn't clear the karma around everything. I just needed to get out. I was like, yeah, I need out. And luckily I sold, but it was still like an open wound in my energy field. Mm. And so I've been attracting a lot of women, including one right now who owns a spa and literally has gone through every single thing I've been through, but oh, now wow. I work the energy with her to help heal my own karma. As woo woo as that sounds, I'm yeah. healing my relationship with my company through the women who are coming to work with me who have either been through that or are going through that. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that definitely relates, kind of moving on but not not clearing,
0: definitely yeah, because yeah, sometimes you're just like, I just can't. like the healing can't happen right now. I just need to get yeah. them out, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: one thing at a time, let me just yeah. go. and then, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, definitely so relate one, to that.
0: so one thing I want to let listeners know is that, I don't know, Amanda, you're, you're, you're really successful at growing a following and a community around you. You're really successful. I feel like with your messaging, do you have any, uh, are you just that way? Or is there some strategy you use? Is there something you want to share? Because I think a lot of empaths on the flip side, this isn't all of them, but it's rare that I meet, empaths in business who don't somehow struggle to put themselves out there or be seen Mm. how do you handle that
1: I think that so I was on a marketing podcast the other day all at like a pure marketing podcast that was all about um organic marketing and she said what's your number one tip for growing your audience online and I said well it's not going to be what you want to hear it's not like you know, some strategies, it's energy. Like it is literally the energy that you... So I grew my following over 2019, 2020, something like that. Grew from a couple of thousand up to 10K and then it ended up at like 19K. And then as the business started petering or as my passion for the business started disappearing my audience just started declining, 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 and I lost probably about a thousand followers. And then as I sold the business, and so I sold the business in like October, I had a couple of months of still thinking, I don't even know what to say to people. Like, who am I? What do I do? You know, having this identity crisis that we all have when we sell a business. And it wasn't until after Christmas when I really started getting a bit of energy back and feeling a bit more, it's not even confidence. It's just, I just felt a different energy. I don't really know how to describe it. And I started, I felt freer. So when I had the business, I had to talk about business and marketing because I had a lot to risk. You know, I had a whole team to pay and people to look after and all of that kind of thing. When I didn't have any of that around me and I just kind of felt freer so I was just posting about whatever I wanted to talk about and at that time it was ADHD because it was something I was really getting to come into terms with myself and talking to a lot of people about I had I have a lot to say on ADHD as people know so I just started posting about it but so yes there's, there's the bit about ADHD, a popular topic right now. A lot of people are getting diagnosed. A lot of people want to learn more about it. But it was the energy I was posting it in. I, there's a lot of other ADHD accounts that aren't seeing the kind of growth that I saw. And it, it really, really took me by surprise. It was, I've got one post that has hit 12,000 followers from one
0: post. Well, you guys it's like are out there. Just that one good post,
1: <laughs> one post. It's on like seventy. It's like nearly a million reach. No ads. no ad spend on any of this. Nearly a million reach. Seventy thousand likes and what It was um ad that ADHD traits that are hard to explain, and it just. Like it just completely took off, and it was just like a bit of fun. It, and and with that comes negativity and trolling, and a lot of people. People really love to take content so literally. You know, they don't like to apply any. Not everyone, but the, yes. a tiny minority don't want to apply any kind of common sense or context to it. You know, they just. How do you handle the so trolls? Literally. How do you do that? How do you handle that? So in the beginning, I um, hated it and I would kind of get quite offended and, you know, not upset. Upset is definitely too strong a word. But then once I started to realise how many people it was helping, I either now I mean i block them if they're just idiots some people just want to be absolute idiots and swear and be offensive I just block them straight away if they're being silly you know trying to be like smart asses then I'll just be a smart ass back if I see the comment um generally I just leave it and the the community kind of do their own thing like I've had Mm -hmm. I've had a few threads that I've had to delete because people have gone in to, to kind of have their say, and then it's got quite nasty. The, the troll would come back chipping in. So I've had to delete those. Um, but yeah, generally I just, I leave it down to karma, Anna.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I, I want to do an episode sometime on like how to handle this. I personally. You know, in this is like lifetimes of probably being burned for being the witch I am or whatever, which actually, I don't identify at all as being a witch in this lifetime. But I'm just gonna use that language because a lot of people use yeah. that for anyone who does spiritual work. Yeah. Um, but i I remember I went on a beach walk. a couple like I don't know, four or five months back. and I just did a off the cuff reel about one of the reasons I think people won't book psychic readings. Cause they're scared. Cause a lot of people tell me that I want to book a reading, but I'm scared of what you'll see. You yeah. could make yeah. a dollar for every time someone told me that no one has yeah. to book psychic readings. And so I did kind of a, a video about that. And then I go home and I don't know, I don't check it for a couple hours. And all of a sudden I log on and it's like 16,000 views, which was my most viewed video. Yeah. But then there's also a lot of hate. Like, yeah. A lot of hate around like you're just a fraud. And to be fair, it's really sad to see all the frauds, and I'll just call them like scammers out there mm. who are pretending to be psychics and saying, I don't know if you've had any of those comments recently where a person will come on and be like, I see some energy in your oh, yeah. chakra that needs to be removed, blah, blah, blah. And you're yeah. just like, oh my God, if you were really good at what you did, you don't have to like tr- you know, <laughs> troll people's profiles and tell yeah. them. They have- bad energy in their space. Yeah, But I, my I have... immediate reaction, Amanda, was to shut it down. I didn't delete the post, but I shut down comments. Did you? But, but actually, like, I mean, that could have, I got a ton of followers as it was happening. Yeah. And once I shut down comments, it shuts down the engagement, which shuts yeah, down people finding it, but I just yeah. don't ready for it. And then it got me thinking like, well, how do I feel about handling that? Because on the one hand, I don't want to hold space for people who are malicious or Mm. just super mean. Um, But on the other hand, I mean, you know, those are the posts that usually get you famous or get you the. the Yeah.
1: And I think that there's also, I always think that comments are just a brilliant way to show who you are. We, you know, we would always say that to clients. So econ brands, that would get nasty comments under ads. It's a great opportunity to show how much you care and how great your customer service is. There's a line to it. If people are just being idiots, they don't deserve. you know, you just hide or delete the comment. But um, generally, I think something like that for you is just a great opportunity for you to, I don't know, do you even want to waste your time replying to it? But certainly just having a line... So I know someone. I I still keep getting people replying to this response that I left to someone where he would said, "Oh, you're just uh, talking about this for engagement." Then I I just said some. He said, "You're just talking about this ADHD for engagement," and I said, "Well, stop adding to the engagement then," and just kind <laughs> of left it at that. And I think you sometimes you just have to have something that you can go back and say that basically says like, "Yeah, nice yeah. try." You know, I'm not. I'm not playing. I'm not playing today.
0: Awesome. Okay, so one of the things um, uh, we talked about in the energy management course and in the held mentorship is something called havingness, which is Mm. some ability to have, and that's some Mm. energy that we work in that course. And one of the things I've noticed about you is that you have a great ability to have success, financial success. Can you talk with the listeners about? What maybe, if anything, you've had to overcome or if maybe that's just something you feel, you know, a lot of a lot of women especially have blocks around financial success, talking about financial success. Do you have any wisdom to impart as not only an empath, but as someone with ADHD who's had four or five companies at this point? How have you dealt with, have you had any upper limit syndrome happen? That's been coming up in some of my readings lately. Women who are kind of hitting that ceiling and it's time for like a recalibration. What do you have mm. to say, if anything, about kind of having this financial abundance, any any wisdom to impart?
1: Yeah, I think that I've done quite a lot of work on this because as someone, as anyone with ADHD will tell you, you know, impulsive spending, kind of reckless. Shopping, not keeping track mm. of money, all of that kind of thing <laughs> is is basically, uh, you know, how we work. So I think there's a different. There's different ways to look at this, isn't there? So there's like a havingness for making money is very different to how you then control that money. So let's just have a oh, look yes. at the, the the havingness for money. I think there was a really interesting thing that I did a while ago and I won't go into too many details around it, but I think it's something that people can look at. So when I came out of my first business, there was some money owing to someone that I didn't feel I didn't realise I felt this. It was only when I did some work around it with a, a like money mindset coach. I didn't realise I felt this, but I on some subconscious level, I didn't feel That it was my responsibility to pay that money back. Mm -hmm. I was paying, I was trying to pay that money back, but I actually wasn't able to because I I just didn't have any money. And what I realized was that I was perpetuating not having money so that I didn't have to pay them back. Mm -hmm. And I was perpetuating this oh, I'm skin, you know, I would do, but I'm broke, I've got no you know, in this almost like victim mentality. And once I realised that and addressed it, it was, I can't even tell you how quickly things changed for me. And I know that that sounds like such a line, doesn't it? It sounds like, a you know, I'm going to follow up with, so join my coaching programme and I'll tell you how to do the same, you know. But honestly, it was literally, it was literally like turning, like, breaking down a dam you know like letting the water through from breaking down a dam and within six months I think I'd hit like 100k in my business you know just from that one thing and I was able to pay the money back and then I didn't care about paying the money back because I'd I'd, I was making the money and I dealt with it and I'd admitted it to myself um and I think that was something that was so fundamental that I'll hopefully always remember but I, it's a really really strong memory for me now and I think ever since that day I've just kind of realized that like there is no upper limit is there we can the the other our mutual friend that you've mentioned earlier so Lucy Sheridan we had a, an amazing conversation a while ago and we were talking about the upper limit and the glass ceiling and we were both like I think this is the year just to like rest our head on it a bit, you mm. know, I'm just going to stay here and rest my head. I'm not going to, I'm sick of like trying to smash through it. I'm not going to do I'm just going to just stay for a while and rest. Yeah. And I think that is so important to, yes, a glass ceiling, upper limits, whatever, but you don't always have to be smashing through it. Like when is enough enough? I think is just such a, and I don't mean enough as in like just enough. I mean, enough to be able to feel abundant and enjoy your life and travel and do all the things you want to do, but also to not be burnt out, not kill yourself, not, you know, not have any time with your family, not do the things that matters. That, That balance of enough, I think is so important because I know a lot of very, very wealthy people who do not have that <laughs> they are not happy, they don't have that balance. So, I think there's um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of my jumbled thoughts around it.
0: I love it, I think that's brilliant, and I'm glad someone who's successful is talking about that. Um, I think a lot of people think when they reach that number, whatever that number is, that that's going to bring them the feeling that they're mm. actually seeking, which could be had with a much smaller number. Mm. Um, I've stopped focusing so much on the the numbers because that's what mm. I did with my last company, where I, I finally reached that annual million dollar mark. I just was putting everything into that. And then once yeah. I, had, I looked around and I was like, well, for what? I feel like crap. You yeah. Know? And, and so now what? Now it's like, Oh, yeah. but what if I had spent those seven years building a company in the energy that I actually wanted to be in, mm. you know, what if you made the energy you wanted to be in a priority, you yeah. know, which maybe is peace, maybe your energy mm. is peace. And I feel like a lot of people, it's the, you know, be, the beginning of a new year, they'll be like, what's your word of the year? You know, yeah. I think we should ask ourselves that like every day, like, you yeah. know. Joy is joy. Well, does this align with joy? Because if it doesn't align with joy, when you get that thing, it's not like the joy is going to magically manifest itself, you know? No.
1: And the the whole thing around numbers and um, I actually had a coaching call this afternoon and this, this incredible woman that I was talking to had spent an obscene amount of money on coaches. I mean, and, that, you know, the, the amount that you would buy a house for in the UK, like such a huge amount of money. And we were talking about the whole like MLM aspect of the coaching
0: industry. Yes. Oh my God. I was just thinking about that theater. I was like, is coaching just a big MLM? Okay. That's like yeah. a, right? so a whole Right? Just because you buy into it doesn't mean you're going to have that. I mean, no. just the, the things I'm seeing online are just like, don't, don't seven, do it, you guys.
1: Hundred percent. So you got like this the the seven figure. You know, I had a seven figure launch. I did a million dollars on my launch. Yeah, but you spent like nine hundred thousand on ads. Yeah, let's talk about what's going on behind that million. Let's talk about exactly. So I think you know the same with social followers, revenue, all of that. Like vanity metrics are out, aren't they? I'm I'm bothered about. I'm I'm actually not just bothered about profit but if we're going to start looking at numbers let's have a look at the actual numbers that matter and I think that's where that's the point I got to in my business and so many people I speak to at the moment are saying I'm using all of my energy and all of my time to create this thing that is that actually just exists to pay other people which is fine if that you know if that's your mission if you're on a mission to like create this legacy in this business that's going to do xyz but once you realize or if you realize that that isn't your legacy it all just feels a bit daft that you're putting all of your energy into the situation that's that just exists to kind of keep this machine going so yeah I think if we are going to talk about numbers is Is about the numbers that actually matter, isn't it? Not the vanity metrics on, you know, on your marketing, on your website or whatever.
0: So, is is there any um, lesson that we can learn from this person you did a session with, who has spent a mortgage worth amount on coaching? Has it paid off for her?
1: Absolutely not. No, she's she said she got more value out of our time together than out of all of them, and now has to go back and tell. The, the coach that she's working with that she's had a complete change of plan because we came up with a a much more realistic way of her doing things that will actually work for her and bring her joy she's she's been working for the last three years just beating herself up for not being able to make this thing happen that was never for her it was never her thing it was just you know so we created a plan that was for her and she just looked uh, as you said earlier there was a a her that joined the call and a her that left the call and and that's all it's about sometimes isn't it just changing your perspective on a situation so um yeah I think the lesson is don't spend mortgage on coaching <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and also the lesson is if you're about to do that send me an email and without charge I'll talk you out of it Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: I will tell you to invest that in an actual mortgage and then get renters in and come up with a plan for how you'll actually make money over time.
1: Exactly. I think there's so much talk at the moment. A lot of people are talking about how, you know, the coaching industry needs to do better. There's just some such shady practices going on in some corners of the industry. I think people are really. I mean, it's brilliant in a lot of ways because it's making everyone look at what they're doing and making everyone look at what they're doing and kind of clean up areas that they were a bit. I know I've, I've done a couple of things recently that I haven't, just in my content where I've said like, I've seen people do it, so I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. And it's, I've said like, DM me like this word if you want to know more. And I felt so cringe doing it, but I've just thought, oh, I'll just give it a go and see if it works. And it does work, but actually, the the like gross feeling I have doing it isn't worth the, mm. you know, five or six leads that come from it. And I think the the discussion around um, the gross bits of the industry is, is empowering people like me to think. Oh, like I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to do that bit. So I, I do think there's some positives coming out of it.
0: Yeah, it's good to hear things are getting beginning to shift. You know, I am following this one woman on social media who, you know, I think it's hundred k minimum to work with her for, mm. you know, I don't know, six months a year. I don't care. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And um, she was complaining on her feed the other day that one of the people applying to work with her said, what happens if you pass away? Like, because she takes payment up front. She doesn't do payment plans. And oh she said, God. well, I need to realistically know if I invest a 100,000 in you, what happens if you die tomorrow? This is a good question. This is yeah. a smart yeah. question for yeah. one woman to ask another who's investing yeah. that much money in them. This coach's response was to put it all over social media, of course, nameless, not the client wasn't named, and say, the type of clients I work with don't operate from fear. Gross. Okay. Oh. My Give me God. a break. And she's one of these spiritual yeah. coaches. And I just,
1: uh, I don't know. No. It's, it's it, disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. An you're shaming,
0: you're telling people if they truly believed in themselves and their spirit that they wouldn't ask questions that were legit smart questions that anyone investing mm. that type of money should ask. It's um, yeah. disgusting.
1: Yeah. It is disgusting. There's so much, I don't know what the term, you know, like greenwashing people talk about in the system. What do we call space, it? Like spirit washing now? Like, spirit washing. Yeah. yeah it's so making my life harder. <laughs> yeah. But in a lot of ways it makes your life easier, doesn't it? Because if you just talk about like you talk about it so authentically it's it that, so. that automatically means that you stand out doesn't it yeah
0: yeah and I think maybe I need to be talking more about some of that because I watch it happening and I'm like well I don't want to like judge other people for how they operate but also it is a bit gross oh, and I think disgusting. it's okay to talk about it being gross and you're not less spiritual because you no. have smart financial questions and if someone is deluding you to believe that that's in like a guru energy and it's just disgusting
1: yeah Yeah. it is disgusting it is and it's just and you know the people that they I am going to use the term "prey on because they do prey on some people and and they're the women it's always women I work with women who are this this and this um you know are the ones who will think oh they're right actually that was I did say that out of fear and you know, it's, it's just, it's just gross. The whole thing, the the whole, there's a whole section of the coaching industry that is really not, not a nice place to be.
0: Maybe we should do a panel on this. Yeah, we should do. I will represent the, the spiritual people getting it. Bring on down the coaching industry. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Death <Awesome>. to coaching.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Amanda. I think a lot of people will find this illuminating and helpful. And how can I mean of course gonna have links uh, you know, in the show notes, but what can people do to continue to learn more about you?
1: Best place is probably Instagram so just at Amanda Perry and that all my links are on there. Um, yeah, all my links are on there so they can follow along there.
0: All right. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today, Amanda. I'm going to go ahead and stop this and, uh, all right. Thanks for listening to the empathic entrepreneur podcast with me, Anna Longstokes. For more information on these and many other topics, or to contact me for a consultation, please visit www.empathicpreneur.com. That's empathicpreneur.com. Or check out the show notes for direct links. And hey, if you like this podcast, please remember to take a minute to leave a review and to share with a friend. Until next time, keep creating